0: Bruce Cassidy says that he wants his name on the Stanley Cup, and he believes VGK has the talent to accomplish his goal. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. You could find us at VGK, myself at Tony D'Asco on Twitter, and Chris Golick is TD Chris G. So Chris, Bruce Cassidy telling TSN 1200 in Canada yesterday that he had five interviews for the vacant coaching position here in Las Vegas. And he believed that VGK was the team that had the most potential, the most potential with its current roster to win a cup. And he said that he feels that uh, this team has playoff tested players like Martinez and Petrangelo. He says there's a lot of talent here on this roster. He sounds so determined. And it, it to me, he just really does believe that he can win a cup here in Las Vegas, he says that he wants his name on the cup. Vegas was the closest. With his current roster, though, I still don't believe they can get it done. But he's headed in the right direction.
1: All fair. Definitely all fair. And I'm just, as you said that, that he had five interviews, I was trying to go over in my head some of the t- teams that that are looking. So what we're talking, Philly, Florida, assuming he got an interview down there in that process, uh, Dallas, Winnipeg. Um the Islanders before well, the Islanders they replaced uh the Flyers, pretty maybe? fast. Flyers? Yeah, Flyers. I said I'm trying to think Flyers. of what the okay. fifth one would be, but either way, um I I'm buying the comments, I'm I'm buying his um determination to achieve getting his name on the Stanley Cup. I- I'm buying the fact that this VGK roster is of all the teams out there, uh, the best suited to potentially make a run for a Stanley Cup. I mean Let's start from, from the back. Goaltending, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I'm hoping a, a healthy Robin Leonard gets back to his uh, season one form when he uh, basically replaced Marc-Andre Fleury, for lack of a better term. But you look at all the experience on the defense, like you mentioned. You mentioned Alec Martinez, Petrangelo, Theodore. We, we don't need to rehash all that, obviously. And then you go back and you look at what our top six forwards are going to look like. Our top six, I'll put up against... Any other top six in the entire NHL when it comes to potency and ability to score, at least on paper, and that's where we hope Cassidy is going to help um, increase the ceiling for a lot of these players, if you will. Um, our line four—I mean, we heard enough about line four last year. We'll see if line four stays intact with uh, Wah, Kolasar, and Carrier, or you know, depending on where they uh, wind, where they slot into next year's lineup. Line three is the question mark, and that's really where you're going to see Cassidy have to put something together, whether it's in house from uh, Henderson or, you know, they do something in the free agency market where Kelly McCrimmon doesn't want to hear what Bruce Cassidy wants, but that's another conversation for another time, of course. Um, But yes, I am buying that this VGK roster is capable or at least the most capable of winning a Stanley Cup based on uh, the opportunities that Cassidy had. Did he interview with Florida? I mean, I can argue Florida is obviously closer than VGK just based on last season's regular season performance. But if he didn't interview with Florida, then absolutely. I think VGK has the best roster to make a run for a Stanley Cup in uh, 22-23. Okay, from 0 to 100 on Bill Foley and
0: Foley Wine and Spirits and Wine Spectators 100-point scale, I would still say that this team is about a 75 to 78. I just think that there's still a lot of missing pieces. He spoke about Robin Leonard. You addressed some goaltending, right, Chris? Mm -hmm. Robin Leonard, he said in Sweden, feeling better there's a lot of buzz that Robin Leonard will not be ready for the start of this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And he said, really, you know, Cassidy said something really interesting that caught my attention. He said, you know, he's just so honest and he'll just blurt out. Like, I don't think he's got a filter. He's kind of like you and I, right. <laughs> but he said that they might stay with the same goalie coach or look to bring in someone else for Robin Leonard. So Mike Rosati's on the clock.
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, it's not the first time we've heard some, uh, strange, brutally honest comments. Uh, you look, um, at the GM up in Edmonton after uh, the Oilers were eliminated and I somewhere in, in his, uh, end of year press or goaltending came up and it, it didn't take him longer than a, a tenth of a second to blurt out that they don't have a number one goalie. And, you know, Mike Smith, I mean, Mike Smith is Mike Smith, don't get me wrong, but he had a good playoff, at least as far as, uh, you know, the Mike Smith curvature goes. Mike Smith had a pretty solid playoff there. But, yeah, back to uh, the Golden Knights and the goaltending coach situation, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of a, a part that's going to play in with when you have, you know, a veteran starter such as Robin Leonard or, you know, back when we had Marc-Andre Fleury and then even Brassois, who is definitely a vet as well where the goaltending coach is going to earn his keep is if uh, Logan Thompson spends extended time with uh, the Golden Knights next year or depending on what other direction um VGK goes with their goaltending. I definitely think there's going to be a change um with Brissois. I think there's enough value for him on the open markets so basically they can save. I think Brissois is 2223 where uh, LT isn't even making a million dollars I think he's at 875 or 850 or something like that. So that's another, you know, 1.8 million off the books if they can move on uh, from Bressois which obviously will help with the off-season shuffle. But I mean, yeah, the goalie coach situation, um, goaltending wasn't that great over the last season. And even the last couple of seasons in the playoffs, it hasn't been that great. So maybe uh, it is time for a change back there. Yeah, that might be interesting. And then uh, again, Cassidy, I think, has
0: this uh, bromance with, He's Bromancing the Stone, Mark Stone, said that Stone is healthy A no-nonsense guy, really likes him, what have you, right? And then Jack Eichel, of course, yesterday on our show, uh, we got a lot of folks uh, listening to yesterday's show about Jack Eichel. I think Eichel just gets things uh, really moving here in Las Vegas, and a lot of people are interested in what's going on with Eichel. And again, you know, Cassidy is already in Eichel's head, no doubt about it. He said that he spoke to Eichel. He said that he told Eichel that he needs to put the crest on his jersey first over everything else. This is going to be really interesting. And then he said that Eichel in return said that he wants to be a relevant playoff performer. And so those two, there's such an interesting dynamic. But already you could tell that Bruce Cassidy is starting to push all the right buttons.
1: No doubt. And, you know, going back to Eichel's career in Buffalo and his short career here in Vegas so far, I don't really think he's had a coach that has tried to push him. Um, In Buffalo, he kind of seemed to be off doing his own thing. Uh, You know, he was listening to, to one song where the rest of the team and the coaches were listening to a different song. And he was just there. And is this a knock on Eichel? Sure, it's definitely fair. Um, Eichel had some notable issues with uh, in his history with Buffalo, with other players, coaches, general managers, fans, uh, you know, beer vendors and everything else. I'm sure he uh, pissed someone off no matter, uh, you know, what he was doing and who he interacted with. So Eichel certainly deserves that criticism. Now in Vegas, you know, Pete DeBoer, he's not that type of coach. DeBoer, I don't see him at all in his uh, two and a half seasons coming off as pushing players the wrong way. You you look at his post-game press conferences. I think I saw him get angry one time. And by angry once, it was, you know, he got question A, said he's not going to respond. They gave him a different version of question A, and he ended the conference and walked off, and that was that. Uh, Gallant has had a little more fire and fury in his pressers. And I think Galant certainly is that coach. I mean, Galant's a veteran coach, or, you know, treats the veterans a bit differently, I guess you can say. But when Gallant's not happy, I think it doesn't matter who you are or how long you've been in the NHL. DeBoer doesn't come across as that type of player. Where Cassidy has notable, you know, documented issues, if you will, um, with how he has interacted with his players. He's mentioned he needs to work on his messaging and his communication and, uh, you know, when it comes to Jack, Jack Eichel, I don't think he needs to change a thing, honestly. I think he needs to get Eichel on the right path. Not that Eichel is on the wrong path in Vegas. I think he has uh, matured a lot just simply based on uh, his comrades in the locker room and who's around him and such. You know, Patch Reddy's not going to let Eichel get out of line. Alec Martinez is not going to let him get out of line. Mark Stone is not going to get him out of line. He didn't have those voices in Buffalo. Now he has those voices in Vegas and a coach who is going to get everybody in line. So uh, like we talked about on the broadcast yesterday, I certainly think uh, Cassidy is going to unlock more potential and uh, um, maturation, if you will, with Eichel. And I'm excited to see how that works out. I think it might get bumpy at times. I think it will. But I think in the end, uh, Eichel is going to become a better player in the locker room, a better personality, which is going to help everybody uh, that where's that VGK crest. And so what you were saying earlier is that Eichel perhaps
0: was listening to Pearl Jams, even flow, while the rest of the team was listening to Jeremy. That's what maybe, you were trying may, to address. Maybe
1: Blood. That's a little more of a dark and deep song that's pretty heavy. It makes you want to pick up a chair and throw it across the room. But I hear what you're saying. I, I get it, Tony. I get it.
0: OK, so Pete DeBoer real fast before the break. Uh, he signs finally as the head coach with the Dallas Stars. He yeah. gets a little bit of a bump, a nice bump, a healthy bump in his salary. I went. Inflation. Back, yeah, I went back and looked at his salary. He was making three point two million here in Las Vegas, and they bumped him up eight hundred thousand dollars to four mil.
1: I mean, with how much gas prices have gone up, that's probably still a pay cut. Very true. I mean, De- listen, DeBoer is a quality NHL coach. Just look at it. Forget all the stuff that's that's happened. You look at his win-loss. You look at his playoff percentage. You look at his runs in the playoffs with multiple teams. DeBoer is a type of coach that I don't think will ever be out of work unless he chooses to be. I don't look at him as a media personality or someone who's going to go on, any, on the NHL network. He'll, he would be on the NHL network as long as Gerard Gallant was. He hated it um so DeBoer will always find work as an NHL coach who can get your team to the playoffs and that sort of thing what DeBoer has yet to prove is if he can obviously win a Stanley Cup and uh some other things I guess along those lines about um you know now we can start peeling layers back with the scoring and you know, helping uh, players realize their potential and such. But, you know, the fact that he got a bump, I think that's fair. I mean, if you're going to want a coach that is uh, tenured, if you will, as DeBoer and with his history, you're going to have to pay up a little bit. And, you know, what's what's uh, 800K to a a billionaire uh, team? (laughs) For sure. Uh, Coming up
0: next, uh, highly coveted Russian free agent Andre Kozmenko to sign with Vancouver with the Canucks. We'll talk about that next on Locked On Vegas Golden Nights. You know how our friends at Built Bar are always coming out with some new flavors? Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new mud pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. And Chris could tell you all about Mud Pies because he just devoured the two that they sent us. Send us more. Built, send us more. Uh, not sure what Built uh, Bar's Mud Pie tastes like? Well, if you are a chocolate fan, you had better sit down for this one. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich with whipped cream and chocolate mousse. It's smothered in 100% real chocolate, and it's topped with cookies and cream crumble. You've got all that. And you've got to try mud pie just as soon as possible. Built products are low in calories, high in protein, and low sugar. Mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories, and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy, delicate, and chocolate chocolatey mud pie. And it's uh, all wrapped up just for you. Uh, don't forget to, uh, to try it out. Go to Built.com, you could use the promo code LOCK15, and you will get 15% off of your order. Stop drooling right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Thank you so much for making us your first listen each and every day. Tony Kurdasko, back in Vegas, along with Chris Golick, who went nowhere. He stayed at home for Father's Day and with the family and eating his built Bar mud pies. And Chris, okay, so the highly coveted Russian free agent, Andre Kuzmenko, he whittled it down to, I think, four teams. And I'm just wondering if the Vegas Golden Knights, they were one of his final four, if they were seriously in the hunt to get this Russian superstar, Kozmenko. He is a uh, left winger who shoots right-handed, which is pretty interesting. And he can't officially sign until July the 13th, signed for 855000 Supposedly, he's the real deal. Vancouver has been on him for a while. The other contenders amongst them were Carolina and Edmonton. And this could be one of those players that VGK we'll have to contend with in the future. And uh, he said that he felt a, ve- a really good uh, connection and he, uh, he can't sign until July the 13th, but he already had something posted on his Instagram yesterday. I know you saw that Chris, he was wearing uh, number 96 Pavel Bore's number.
1: They didn't retire that number in Vancouver. Well, I mean, just, serious question. That's no, no, no. He's just wearing it. I
0: guess <laughs> or he design. wears. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I, I got what you're saying. Yeah, it's so, it a little uh camaraderie of course no i get that nothing wrong with that at all so vgk has a history with touting russian prospects from the khl uh the khl arguably is the best league in the world outside of the nhl so it's obvious as to why so many you know nhl scouts watch the khl very very closely let's uh Let's go through some history here, and we'll start with our first trivia question of the day. Um, who was the very first player to retire as a Vegas Golden Knight? Uh, the Chipachev, right? Exactly. Exactly. So let, let's let, let's go over that situation. Um, Chipachev was signed uh, from the KHL. Typical, I, I say typical, it's not the right way to say it, but basically a point, you know, 1.2 point per game, type of player. Comes to Vegas, can't even crack the VGK day one roster in 2017-18. But even then, it wasn't just about his um, situation. We can get more on that in a second. But even there is still some salary cap drama day one, which is why they were bouncing uh, Shipachef around Whereas uh, there was other players who if they bounced them around, I think like Nosek being one of them, uh, they couldn't send someone like Nosek down without him clearing waivers and who knows if that would have happened or not. So Looking at Shipachov, he plays three games, one, one goal. It's actually a game winning goal uh, against Bo- the Boston Bruins, his first and only career NHL goal, which was the same game where Alex Tuck actually scored his first career goal. And Malcolm Subban had a, uh, gave up just one goal and a great performance. So a little more history for y'all there. But, um, just a little more to the situation with Shipachov. There was some problems with the locker room. And, and I thought that was a moment where VGK really identified their identity at the time as being a character team. We know Shibachev can play if he wanted to. We know he could perform if he wanted to. But for whatever reason, when they sent him down to the Chicago Wolves, it didn't work out. He didn't take well to that. He basically said he came here to play in the NHL, not the minor leagues, not the AHL. He had uh, an interview afterwards where he hated staying at Red Rock and walking through the Smoky Casino and everything. And, you know, that's a little brief history lesson there. So the next Russian prospect that VGK touts, Nikita Gusev, uh, signed him out of the KHL during the 18-19 season. There was even potential for him to play um, in the playoffs that year. Uh, of course, that was a season where we had our uh, not a major and, and all of that drama. But same thing with uh, Gusev, you know, point a point game per player, ton of assists, ton of assists vgk trades him in the offseason he never even puts on the vgk jersey goes to new jersey his first season he goes 66 games 13 goals 31 assists but a minus 15 but that's new jersey so we're not gonna hold that against him there but then in 2020 he's uh just just plays 20 games as well two goals three assists uh florida panthers for 11 games last season and he's uh two goals three assists and all of a sudden he's back uh, for 21-22, he's back uh, in the KHL. So VGK does not have a good history with touting Russian prospects from the KHL. So does that mean that uh, Kuzmenko is not going to be a, a suitable NHL talent? Um, you know, maybe. Or did Kuzmenko look at Chipachev and Gusev situation, maybe even talk to them and just decide VGK was not going to be the right fit. But uh, Kuzmenko's stats, same thing as uh, Gusev and Chipachev, you know, basically a point-of-game type player, a little more, a little less at times, but a very, very solid talent in Russia. Can he make the transition? If uh, VGK's uh, touting of KHL prospects is any history, um, I wish him well, but I don't know how long he's going to stay in, in uh, the, the National League.
0: Yeah. But hold everything right, right hold now. It. Okay.
1: Hold so, hold okay. It. Hold my beer. Uh, so you've got
0: uh, Pavel Dorofaev. You've okay, got Daniel Moromanov, Okay. And now you have uh, just the recently acquired Russian prospect, Ivan Morasov mm-hmm. on, on the silver Knights roster. So mm-hmm. there's three Russians and perhaps one of those will break out. And by the way, Andre Kuzmenko's numbers uh, in the KHL, uh, 20 goals, 33 assists, so 53 points in 45 games this past season. Now, one of the biggest adjustments, right, correct me if I'm wrong here, the rink size, mm-hmm. uh, because in the U.S. and Canada, in North America, the 200-foot ice by 85 feet, and in Russia, 197 by 94. That's also what they use in the Olympic Games, but they need to standardize that. That's another topic for another show. Mm-hmm. But don't they, you know, really struggle sometimes uh, based on the rink size?
1: So uh, just a very amateur perspective. Um, I-, I officiate hockey games in the Valley, as I say many times. Um, I work games at at um, uh, City National and then down in Henderson, both obviously the Vegas Golden Knights and Henderson Silver Knights facilities. <laughs> Exact same size, same dimensions behind the nets. When I go to Las Vegas Ice Center, there is more room behind the nets and less room between the blue lines. And it's not a lot, but you notice it. And as an official, I am finding it's a bit harder for me to adjust my angles because, to be frank, you got to be careful catching a puck in the head when they're chipping it from behind the net and such. And especially someone who's a little more out of control – and doesn't necessarily have the awareness of uh, being a, a beer league hockey player at 10 30 at night on a Monday night, not paying attention to where the ref is. You really got to watch yourself. And when you're in a different situation, as far as dimensions go, you notice that now I am not an NHL skater. I never will be anywhere close to whatever the lowest, lowest of the minor leagues are out there. But point being, yes, it is different there is an adjustment that needs to be made no doubts um and that certainly could be why players struggle that do make that jump not just from the KHL but other leagues that do use uh the bigger rinks or the championship tournaments and such uh, out in Europe and everything um going back to and you made some good points about the players that we have in the AHL uh Dorfey of Mirmanov uh noted most notably obviously mm-hmm. that said they have not cracked the NHL level yet however I think the Golden Knights are taking the rights path with them and giving them time to develop and find their game, certainly uh, more or less for Fiev, who I do think has the, the body and the, the ceiling to become an everyday contributor at the NHL level, but they're going slow with him. They are going really slow with him. I felt the times last season with our 518 million man games missed, that Dorofia maybe deserved a little more of an opportunity and he did have a couple opportunities. Um, I actually enjoyed one of the games when they were double shifting Eichel and Eichel was taking some line four minutes and Eichel and Dorofiev, they looked pretty, pretty solid out there. So maybe VGK is simply learning not to, uh, you know, go too fast with these prospects as they uh, do make the jump and such, you know, or maybe, uh, it's just a uh, bad luck. Who knows? But it's certainly a good point with the Russians we do have on the roster right now, though.
0: Yeah, they're going to take their time with those uh, Soviet players uh, in the minor leagues, and then see if they can develop them. And hopefully, that is on Bruce Cassidy's watch. Yes. I don't call him Butch yet. I'm not down with Butch. That's yeah. Butch. Butch is weird.
1: I'm not. I'm with you. I'm gonna stick I'm with like, Bruce. Let's stick like with Bruce. On I, show. I like Bruce. I like. All it. right. Like
0: it. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll have a recap of the Stanley Cup Final Game Three. Stop gloating, Chris. Back with more after this. On Locked On Golden Knights, welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas, and thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We are free and available. Our podcast is at least wherever you get your podcast. And uh, Chris, last night, uh, Darcy Kemper uh, pulled in the six to two loss in Tampa. Five goals on 22 shots in the six to two big win for Tampa. So, is Tampa back in this series now? Do you declare them officially uh, back? Are they going to knock this up, uh, this series up in game number four? And does Kemper come back to start the fourth game in the Stanley
1: Cup final? I don't think Tampa is back. I don't think they were ever gone. They were not out of this series. Sure, whatever happened, you know, game one was a pretty close one. Game two was obviously a blowout and all of a sudden uh, everyone is writing Tampa off, which is fair, but I'll say what I've said probably since the first round of the playoffs about each and every series. Talk to me after game four. Talk to me after game four. Then we can evaluate how both teams have played at home. We can look at how the series is going. We can look at what the series score is, but I surely am not going to, discount the two-time Stanley Cup champions, who, in my opinion, have the best goalie on the ice and the best coach behind the bench. Give me the best goalie. Give me the best coach. I say it so many times. I'm sure our uh, our uh, listeners are getting annoyed by it and our Twitter followers and such, but give me the best coach. Give me the best goalie, and the rest will usually sort itself out. Um, you mentioned uh, the situation with Kemper being pulled. All of a sudden, you have questions in the Colorado net. So let's go back to game two, a seven, nothing shutout. Vasilevsky gives up the touchdown and the successful extra points, but he wasn't pulled. So instead of people like us and the rest of the media saying, wow, what an evenly matched series. There's been one close game. There's been two blowouts. Both goalies have been chased. Stop right there. Both goalies have not been chased from the, from, from a game yet. Only, the Colorado side. Now, don't get me wrong. John Cooper didn't have in his uh, bingo card, uh, his playbook, if you will, in his success to beat the Colorado Avalanche was let them win the first two games. We're going to let Vasilevsky get absolutely crushed. And then we're going to come back game three, chase their goalie and everyone's going to point back to game two and say, ha ha, this is why we didn't pull the goalie. We're not going to go that deep into this folks, but this is why you keep your goalie in the net, I guess. So credit Cooper for, you know, just probably trusting Vasilevsky or whatever conversation they had to keep him in the game. But we have a series, we do have a series and I think, uh, it's going to go deep. I hope it goes deep. I think it's been an an awesome playoff run and there's no better way to, uh, put the, the 21, 22 season to bed with a seven game Stanley cup final. That's going to go to six overtimes and, We're going to have to, uh, you know, find a winner deep into the night. That would be absolutely remarkable. But don't write Tampa off. And even if Tampa loses game five, don't write Tampa off. Okay.
0: What about about the early offside, you know, uh, call in that game after a lengthy uh, review? uh, And how much did that deflate? I know that they came back, the abs did, and scored a goal. But it had to take something out of the avalanche there. And then I was really impressed in game three, Chris, with the aggressiveness of Tampa. Uh, they looked to be a little bit tentative in those first two games in Colorado. And last night, I think they were just firing away, putting pucks on net. And Darcy Kemper it was who we thought he was.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kemper has had a solid season behind an absolutely world-class Roster and obviously Kale McCarr and the rest of the defense, uh, Devin Taves and, and everybody. I mean, Colorado is an amazing team. You don't need an Andre Vasilevsky in that in Colorado for that team to make a deep run. But there are going to be times when the goaltender is called upon to win a game for you. And can Kemper do that? I don't know. We're going to wait and see. But back to your point about Tampa's aggressiveness game one goes to overtime. Tampa just gets 23 shots, gets three goals. Um, Saturday, just 16 goals or 16 shots. And obviously they get shutouts, but then go into, um, uh, Wednesday night or Monday night's game. Pardon me. Where'd my stats go? Uh, they had, I believe 39 shots in Monday night's game, 39 shots. And like you said, they're shooting at everything that moves. And as a result, the goalie gets chased now how much of this is because of line combinations and such like that. Obviously the home team gets last change. Um, will this trend continue to game four? And then more importantly for a Tampa's sake in game number five, when they're not going to have the last change, I mean, is the home ice advantage going to be the ultimate determining factor? Um, you know, talk to me after game five, I guess, because at that point uh, we'll have another opportunity for Tampa to flip the script, so to speak, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so much fun taking all this in and watching it. And no one had Tampa out there to score this many goals and win in this fashion. I thought this would finally be the, the two to one, three to one, three to two type game that I think should be coming at some point in the Stanley Cup final. But, you know, expect the unexpected and uh, just enjoy uh, the last few games of what's been a very uh, turbulent uh, 21-22 uh, hockey campaign for Vegas. Burakovsky,
0: uh wound up. Uh,
1: Borovsky wound up not
0: playing in the game uh, yesterday. I know he took another flight uh, there to Tampa, and then uh, Kucherov was knocked out of the game last night. A very physical game. We'll have to see, you know, what the toll is after a lot of hitting, some good fracases and such in that
1: game last night. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, Hedman certainly looks like uh, he's not 100% out there. And, you know, no one is 100% at this point of the season, just like, uh, you know, the NFL when, you know, week 12, 13, and the playoffs come around, no one's 100%. They're absolutely getting, you know, crushed and beaten to a pulp every single game, more uh, outside of the, the linemen in the NFL, but the hockey players, every single player on the ice, every single shift has a body on them. They're given a hit. They're skating at max uh capacity. I mean, it's there is such a toll that is taken. I mean, there's a reason an NHL shift is usually no more or less than 30 seconds um, outside of a power play or a PK situation. You go out there, you give as much as you got for that short amount of time. You get on the bench, get your breather and you know get right back to it. And then add, you know, a 220 pound uh, six foot three defenseman just absolutely uh, demolishing you. And every time uh, that puck gets into the corner. So, yeah, it's a survival, attrition, every other uh, cliche you can uh, think of.
0: Yeah. And I was also surprised with Tampa's ability to be in front of the net and a lot of their shots off of rebounds, a lot of, uh, you know, their goals that they scored were right there at the crease. And uh, they were not able to do that. In the previous games in Colorado, either, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And yeah, one of these teams, or maybe both, are going to be worn out for Game Four. And it's uh, again, it's going to be a battle of attrition down to the wire. We'll be back again tomorrow, right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Thanks for making us your first listen, and for your second listen, check out Locked On NHL as they follow the Stanley Cup. Tomorrow, we'll talk. Uh, let's talk about. The awards, I think they're going to be handed out. The NHL awards tonight in Tampa should be here in Vegas. So, so, so bitter about that. For my man, Chris Garlic. I'm Tony Credasco. So long for now. We thank you all for tuning in today right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.